Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 35 of Talkin' Jacks. Uh, this is a Talkin' Jacks extra slash special slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm, joined, I'm joined, yeah. as always, by my co-host, Ben. Ben, how are you doing on this fine Thursday evening? I'm doing great. I just had some ice cream, so I'm uh, mm. on some a little bit of a sugar high, maybe. But, um, yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you this evening? I am doing pretty well. I just got back to High Point after uh, staying with my parents for a couple nights in Charlotte to mm. avoid driving you know, super long every single day. And let me tell you, yeah. that was different. Yeah. It's, it is a little different. But uh, I'm doing pretty well. Working Good. from home tomorrow, so I don't have to make the drive. So I'm excited about that. I get to sleep in. Woo-woo. Uh, get to make myself like a nice breakfast before I sit down and work all day. So that's pretty nice. The perfect situation. Uh, but unfortunately, we do have some sad news to talk about. We have to talk about yeah, the Charlotte uh, Independence uh, bowing out of the U.S. Open Cup in the second round. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was it was <laughs> early and often. I think they scored two goals in five minutes or so. Uh, I believe, yeah, you're right. It was in, I think it was just inside of six minutes was the both goals. It was, was it? Uh, to put it lightly, it was not great to start. Yeah. Um, and to put not it a little best. bit more harshly, uh, the, I think they maybe, I don't know. Yeah. They just didn't show up until about 20 minutes. And then it, at that point, it was too late. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, it kind of felt like I don't think that we really came out flat necessarily, but we had a I'll pretty different lineup. Um, we had a pretty darn different lineup. Yes, I mean, we started four of our youngest players being Calvin Doom, uh, Steedman, um, and uh, and uh, who else am I thinking? Moape and Airman. Yeah, so we uh, had three 18-year-olds and a 20-year-old in the lineup. And our yeah. average age was still almost 25. Yep. Like, yep. Watson and Kalunji really brought brought the average age up a little. Because if you take, you know, if you replace them with somebody in their mid-20s, our average age would have been really, really low. Yeah, I Although, almost no. Wonder, Zayed Zayed is also like Zayed too. He's a little bit up there too. So it's I like almost we had nobody. What our middle. average age was compared to theirs, being a PDL team, I'm sure it was still higher. Oh, I'm sure but, their average age would probably be 20. I mean, because they they're all you know between 18 and 22, I would imagine, unless they have a couple of post grad players who are like 23 or 24. Um, I mm. think I think. Sometimes those happen, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, I will say I'll, I'll give Ocean City credit. They came out, came, they came out um, with a very specific tactical plan. They were going to bunker in and then hit us on the counter and it was, and they executed it really well. We had so much trouble on the counter attack, uh, Watson and Kalunji both looked really slow. Um, they, I think Watson maybe was tired from playing, uh, the, the full 90 against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, he's yep. just recently joined the team, so he may not even be 100% match, match fit. Uh, but even still, as a he's 33, I believe, 33, 34. Yeah. When you're at that stage in your career, it's hard to go on a short week like that. Um, but, you know, he he – you know, I don't want to pick on him. It was not – he was not the only one who didn't come out of the gates firing, you know. I yeah. also think that we just had some problems in the midfield. That that combination was just a little yeah. bit uh, – well, I mean, for one thing, they never play together. So that the chemistry was non-existent. But I think it was just a mm-hmm. bit of an odd fit. You didn't really have a single natural midfielder. I mean, Alex is a wide midfielder playing in a deeper role. Richie Perez is more of a number 10 playing deeper. And then you have Steedman. I, I thought Steedman was a forward. Uh, I thought he played forward yeah. all preseason, except for the one game against NCFC he did play kind of in that number 10 role. But it was Jorge that he was paired with instead of Zayed. And so I thought Zayed and Steedman were kind of getting in each other's way. Uh, Steedman couldn't really – he he just wasn't putting his stamp on the game at all. He wasn't no. involved. Uh, same same with Perez. You know he just he had a couple of long shots uh, that he struck, but he he just didn't really put his stamp on the game. Alex mm-hmm. w- went. Alex had a very up and down game. He would have moments of brilliance, followed yep. by a terrible giveaway. You know in our own half. Yeah, and, and to be quite really to be fair to every a lot, pretty much everybody was like that. It wasn't yeah. just Alex. I don't want to pick on Alex. It was really the whole team they would have. You know, we had we saw Calvin Doom do those tricks, out, you know, dribbling the ball outside of the box and then yep. firing a shot close. And then we would see him, you know, five minutes later not even be able to control his first touch. Yeah. It was just like – He definitely it was, had an up-and-down performance. It was a roller coaster. Sure. Uh, yeah. But but give credit where credit's due. They Ocean City, like I said, they had a tactical plan. They stuck to it uh, and executed it really well. And uh, their their coaching staff was cool. They interacted <laughs> with us a good yeah. bit. Um, yeah. You know the referee also had an up and down game. Um, yeah. I I I could have swore the first goal was offside. Uh, the I, second I goal I thought was offside too, but. Uh, having seen the replay and it was pointed out to me that Kalunji kept the man on side. I had previously not seen that. Mm. Uh, if you look, you know, the, the stream is coming from so far behind. It's easy to lose perspective of where everybody is. Yep. Uh, but, and then, but the first goal I could have swore was offside, but I never saw an, like an accurate, not an accurate, but you couldn't, you can't see, the entire right side of the field yep. to yep. see if anybody's keeping the guy on when the first shot was hit. But, you know, that's that's soccer. So you you come out slow, you get a couple of bad bounces because that I mean the first goal was just a bad bounce off the post. It instead of bouncing, you know, it could have bounced anywhere, but it bounced right into the path of an unmarked man. Mm-hmm. Uh and then we had Zayed's goal ruled offside. Uh, yeah, that was pretty frustrating. It had, to have, it had yeah. to have been close. Maybe he was on. Maybe he was off. But it was that's one that it didn't didn't go away. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a couple of saves. 
that the, that their keeper made that were tough saves. It's yeah. just you know that's life. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Um, I I thought we showed tremendous fight in the second half, especially. Uh, yeah. Once it, we got Johnson and uh, Herrera. Yeah, when when Jorge scored, and even when Zayed scored the goal, and it was ruled off. You know, I I got to hoping a little bit. Yeah. And, and they were they had really picked up their play. They were playing with more purpose. They were passing quicker. Uh, but ultimately, they kind of resorted to old habits of just getting the ball out wide and then crossing it and hoping somebody would get on the end of it. I think I saw that stat sheet that James posted. We had like 36 crosses, <laughs> which Ooh. is a lot. I mean, we had 78% possession or something like that. So, Did we really? Yeah, it was – I mean, wow. it was a true – I mean, they they parked the bus in the second half, and I can't blame them. I would have too. Uh, yeah, but you know, at this point, it is what it is, and it may be a blessing in disguise. It's really, you know, for me especially, it sucks to go out in the open cup because I had previously stated I would <laughs> take a deep open cup run over a more successful league season. Uh, so losing in the in our first round against an amateur team is not how I wanted to go out. <laughs> um, yeah, not necessarily a good outcome there. Yeah. But um, at least we get to focus on this, the league now. That's true. That. And, and um, at least we can maybe get some guys healthy, not having to make another trip to carry midweek yeah. with nope, you know, to go to- only 14 healthy players. Because that's another yeah. thing. We only dressed 15 players last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didn't have any defenders dressed, right? Yeah, we oh, had I mean, no. Yeah, we had John, well. Johnson. Yeah, uh, true. But Johnson is a you know outside back. So if like one of our center backs had gone down, we might have been in trouble. Uh, Who like knows what happened? Right, you know. They. Uh, I don't know if Cato was a rest thing or if he's picked up an injury. Um, we know Donnie Smith is still injured. Uh, Kevon George is still injured. Bilal Duckett's still injured. Uh, Jordan, I believe, still injured. Because mm. we could have used somebody like Greg Jordan. Like I said, we didn't really have a natural deep midfielder, and they kind of ran yeah. through our midfield defensively because of it. Um, yeah. I think that – did I name all the injuries? Um, I feel like I'm leaving some off because that doesn't that, – oh, that's only four. Calvert. I'm Calvert. All, I'm that's a, yep, Calvert, Calvert's yeah. injured. So that's five. Definitely keep this on Calvert. And Jung Su. Oh. Jung Su may have just been a rest because yeah. he was supposedly not 100% going into the Cincinnati game. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's five, maybe six injured players. It, it, it's you a know. lot. It's all over the field, and too. We're, and, and we're a thin team to begin with. We only have, I think we only have 22 on the roster, 23, 22 or 23 on the roster to begin with. Uh. So it's not like we're, you know, we're a couple injuries away from not being able to dress a full 18 almost every game, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm not, I mean, you never want to go out in the first round. You, you never do. Um, but I'm not really worried about it. It was our B squad, a bunch of players that had never played I together. I wouldn't even call it our B squad. I, I would call yeah. it because so many guys were playing out of position. That's you fair. know, the, the, all of our players on the field, I think, have quality. 
mm-hmm. but a lot of them were not played in a position where they could be natural. You know, they may have been thinking so much that it slowed them down. Uh, like yeah. Mwapi was really one of our only players that was in the, his nat- most natural position, and it showed yeah. because he was to me to me he was our best player. He got a little yeah. bit out of control in the second half. Um, yeah which led to him being switched to the left side. He was taking a lot of – he was cutting in from the right side onto his left foot and just taking 20 to 35-yard shots and blasting them over the bar. Uh, he wasn't yeah. the only one taking long shots. We had, I think, 20 shots from outside of the box total as a team. Mm. Uh, he probably had like six of them, though. So I think yeah. he, he got a little out of control there. But for a while there, he was our most threatening player uh, by far. He impressed yep. me again. You know, big fan of Moapi. I hope he sees yep. more time in the league. Uh, I think Airman. Uh, he kind of disappeared to me. Yeah, Airman had one of those up and down games, but uh, it was, you know, he had he had one sh- shot on target. Or it may not, I guess it may not have been on target. Uh, it just missed. It was towards the end when he was on the when they had switched sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a shot from deep, but yeah, you're right. For the most part, um, he found it hard. I think to stamp on the game as well. Maybe yep. he's more of a nat. I thought he was more of a left sided, get down the line and put in a cross type player, but I don't recall him putting in a lot of crosses he was on set piece duty a lot of the times mm-hmm. uh, I that a couple times but yeah i mean it, it's hard to say anybody had a great game um i thought i thought vine struggled early to kind of find the game defensively he was getting yeah. beat a lot oh, he you know he was pretty strong in the second half he just I don't know why, but we, I guess just because Moapi was on the right side, it felt, it just feels like every time Vines has an opportunity to kind of take control of a game, it's, this would have been a good moment. And it was all of our attacks went down the right side, you know? So if maybe, you know, if, if they had swapped a Moapi earlier to the left side, maybe Sam Vines could have gotten more involved uh, but who knows, you know, we can sit here and say woulda, shoulda, coulda all day, that, but the yeah. bottom line is uh, the Nor'easters are moving on and we got to focus on Toronto. So yes, at, speaking of We've Toronto, that, uh, that game in Toronto that we are worried about visas and stuff, <laughs> worry no more because we don't have to go to Toronto anymore. Toronto is coming nope. to us. Um, yep. This is unfortunate, um, and it's a really, really bad look for the league, in my opinion. I think I was really upset when this happened earlier in the season with Pittsburgh because yep. Pittsburgh got an extra home game when Pittsburgh was already playing uh, their uh, other away game <laughs> against Toronto in Rochester where half the team and the coach used to, to, to work. You know, and yeah. so that's practically they're playing the worst team in the league three times at home, essentially. Yeah, uh, and and that made me mad. So I can't then turn around and be really happy that we get to play the worst team in the road, 
worst team in the league in our home uh, because it's just not fair to the other, what, 15 teams in the Eastern Conference? How many teams are in the Eastern Conference now? 16 total? It's, it's 16 if I'm not – yeah, 16. Yeah, so it's, it's not fair to the other 13 teams that have to play in Toronto. Um, and it it makes Toronto look bad. It makes the league look bad. Um, and it it, get, it doesn't give our opportunity our players an opportunity to be tested on the road, which I think we need. You know, maybe playing yep. playing Toronto at home is probably one of it's probably the easiest game we have left on the schedule. Yeah, like yeah, there's still we, a lot of the season playing left, Toronto on the road is a little bit more of a test. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're, we we may get benefited in this short term by getting potentially a couple extra points. Um, yeah. But I would rather go on the road and be really battle tested and only get a draw because long term it might help us out. You know what I mean? What do you yeah. think about the whole situation? Um, I I definitely agree that it makes everything look bad. Um. Is the league essentially? I mean, it's. I, I mean, it's it's a positive for us in the sense that we we don't have to go on the road as long in this stretch. Because um, what our next home game That's is true. June 16th after this one, is the next home game. June sixteenth, yeah. So it's just a month away from now, as opposed to five weeks, I suppose. Um, but but I'll definitely agree with you in that sense that it's. It's good because we're going to play at home, but it's also not great because we're not going to get the test on the road, um, which we have to deal with eventually, um, right. whether we want to or not. And it it puts us in a situation where we it's going to look like we have somewhat of an advantage. Um, when I mean, really, we didn't we didn't ask for it or anything like that. So it's just. It's just not, not a good look at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand why we can't just postpone the game. That, I, I mean, Or a neutral site. I'm, I'm, so, I'm really yeah, kind of confused. Yeah, the game to Rochester at the last minute. Like, I would, I would prefer to – I mean, that would suck. But we could go exercise yeah. some demons or we could have a week yeah. off and get our guys to heal up, you know. But Yeah. Maybe, That's the other thing. Is it feels like to me that at this point, with as much as it's happened, the league needs to have some sort of a – a contingency plan, right? Like yeah. after the first time it happened, they should have put in a backup plan and say, "Hey, if they can't play yep. at BMO Field or the field that's like under construction, that's going to be their regular home field, there needs yeah. to be like a third, like you know, a plan C." And yeah, it's, it's poor planning on the league's part. Um, but you know what? I mean, I'm sure Toronto will get fined, um, but their big club can handle it. They've got lots of money. Yeah. Uh, Just sell some more. Uh, or Michael Bradley yeah, right. can take it out of his exorbitant salary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't yeah. think we'd be talking about Michael Bradley on this show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the first time we've ever mentioned him. But yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it is going to be interesting this next game too because both of both us and them are going to be coming on a, a short rest. Um, with Toronto playing on Wednesday. Yeah, and they played in a barn too. burner. Yeah, I still haven't looked at the highlights, but I'm assuming I haven't either. But it was, I think, the one. final was five four to Atlanta, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Nine goals scored in the game. I, said, I don't know I've seen that. And you said you looked at the stats, and you said their keeper faced seven shots total. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? 
Yeah, I think both keepers actually faced uh, seven shots, if I'm not mistaken. And Where's gave up goals on four or five of them, respectively. Yeah. So that's it's, not great returns for the keepers. Maybe it was just terrible defense. I, we, like we, like you said, we haven't seen the goals. So it could have been yeah. terrible defending, but... It was in Gwinnett, so great... I mean, it's baseball field. So <laughs> it's going to be shorter, smaller field. So yeah, there's that to keep in mind. But it's... Uh, so I guess they won't be necessarily tired or as tired as they could be. But um, the other thing definitely worth noting is uh, Angelo Cavaluso, um, the game before this one, I, I forget the, the team they were playing against. I think it was Penn FC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Angelo Cavaluso ruptured his ACL. Mm. Um, so he I will be out for – yeah, it's, he's, he, a he's a great keeper. Yeah, he's, he's got I a lot mean, of talent. He kept them in games. He – he probably saved the the game for them last year at home with us. Yeah, uh, he did. Literally. He had a great performance in that game. Yeah, but um, it looks like unless it changes, the, the keeper that uh, played for Atlanta or Toronto FC two against Atlanta, yes, um, is an eighteen year old keeper. Um, yeah, he's he, he's very young. Um, but we'll we'll see. I I I don't want to say it's a trap game because, I mean, we we need a victory at this point. We definitely do. But I, if we were to lose this game, it would be it it'd be if if we draw this game, I would be very disappointed. Yeah, this is an it, absolute gift, and we need to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, all you know, we've come. Yeah, it's unfair. But if we don't take advantage of it by getting all three points, yeah, you know, and that's regardless if we're throwing out our a mixture of our A and B squad. Which I think we, injuries, I, I think we probably will throw out a mixture because at this point yeah. our A squad is not fit. Yeah, I've well, it, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I can't imagine Watson's going to go. If Watson doesn't go, well, does, maybe Kalunji and Jungsu. Yeah, or maybe Duckett returns. Maybe. maybe you slot Calvin Doom into at center back. Maybe Donnie Smith is recovered. I, maybe I don't so, know. Yeah, maybe there's there's a bunch there's a myriad of potential backline combinations that we could use. Uh, yeah, and that's a trend that kind of sucks because your back four you kind of want to keep the same. Everybody else mm-hmm. can kind of change, and you'll be able to kind of keep the chemistry for the most part yeah uh, but i if if they're all fit i would love to see the same lineup that played last saturday back out there in the same positions yeah. i can agree with that uh, it's but i don't know that watson's going to be able to play three games in seven days that's uh, going to be a tough see, i didn't i didn't expect him to play at all um yeah but i can you know I see the logic there. Yeah, it's. I'm also curious how our midfield is going to look too, because I would prefer to see if the injuries stay the way they are. Uh, a Fosser and uh, Ekra midfield again because fantastic. As, as dominant as they were on Saturday, I think, and they were both rested. I mean, Ekra didn't play at all last night, and Fosser didn't come on yeah. until like the 70th minute. So he, yeah, he came. Know, he just got late. a little run out at the end. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and I almost wondered if we'll see Herrera start as well because I know middle of last season he played a lot of games back to back. He didn't. He played more time, but didn't play it too terribly long in that last game. So I would like to see that. It's going to be interesting though because uh, Zayed's going to almost be forced to go out um, if uh, Calvert's not. We rest healthy. Zayed to, from the start and play Herrera up top to start. I could. You, they could, we could do that Herrera? as well. Do we? Do we have Perez cover for him? Yeah, or Perez, I, I think Perez, Perez or Steedman could could play the number ten if Jorge is playing up top because Jorge is going to play a little bit differently than Zayed does. Mm. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, luckily, we do have the depth, which is well the sort of the versatility. <laughs> we have the versatility. Have... I don't think we have a lot of depth. Yeah, <laughs> we have like. You know, three guys that are the backup for one position. You know what I mean? Or no? Yeah. One guy is the backup for like three different positions. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it's, uh, it's going to be curious. It's going to yeah. be. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd ever want to go into a Toronto game saying that it's not a surefire win. But I'm the, very confident that we'll get the three points because I think they will be tired from playing that game in Atlanta. Uh, mm. And I think, you know, I think the weather played a factor in the last matchup. I think we would have beaten them more handily had it not been like 20 degrees and pouring rain. Yeah. Uh, but if this game goes on, you know, there's always a chance that there's a lot of lightning in this game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you know we won't you know we won't predict the weather. How ironic would that be if they moved it to a different city just to have it be? <laughs> that'd be. Oh, that would be bad, but funny. But it was, also yeah, bad. funny for us, but uh, not so great for the league. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it it's it's going to be interesting. I'm cautiously optimistic we're going to be fine in this game, but I'm still a little. I'm I'm more than cautiously optimistic. I'm I'm full optimistic. Full optimistic. Uh, okay. I think we have we are too good of a team to lay an egg in back to back games this way that way because if we lose yeah. to ter- like I was joking with you the other night or not the other night last night after the game I was like that Ocean City might actually be better than Toronto too and I was joking <laughs> but I but like well. if, if you think about it overall as a I mean they might be <laughs> yeah it's. Uh... Especially not having Cavaluso, it, it it'd be interesting to see what Josie uh, Altidore is hurt. So I'd be shocked if we saw Jordan Hamilton with the two side. As oh, well. that's good. Okay, yeah, I was. I was well, it's not good. Macia. I like Josie well, Altidore. I hate that he's injured. It's not like he's gonna miss the World Cup or anything. That's true. Oh god. Uh, hashtag too soon. Yeah, too soon. All right. Uh, well, we gotta no. We gotta move on after that. We're now. I don't want to get too sad because the World Cup is coming. I don't want to think it about is. it. Yes, but, uh, uh, but predictions. Do you want to move on to yeah, predictions? Yeah, let's do a prediction. Okay. Um, I, I say all that to say, um, <laughs> sound really sad doing this, it seems like, but uh, I think we'll probably win 3-0, I'm going to say. All right. I say 3-1. 3-1, okay. 3-1. I almost went with that one. But yeah, 3-0 is what I'm going to predict. Um Neither me nor Alex will be in attendance. Um, That's correct. So because unfortunately, cheer loudly. 
uh, this was an away game originally, and we made yeah. plans to attend the Greensboro or not Greensboro, the Carolina Dynamo game in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll be at the Carolina Dynamo game in my new semi hometown, mm-hmm. uh, supporting the local team here. Ben and Chris will be doing some stuff for their other podcast, the Amateur Hour, um, mm-hmm. and I'll just be there hanging out as a fan. So, fanning it up. I trust Jack's militia to hold it down for us while we're gone. Mm-hmm. I also trust the crazy family people in 108 to hold it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I think we'll get a, I think we'll get three points fairly easily in this one. And if Maybe. I'm wrong, we're gonna be sad on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to uh, to silver line a game that we're losing against a team that um, hasn't won. Yeah, um, has five losses on the road. Oh, stop, stop, uh, stop! Let's not even think about it. Yeah, oh, I don't know. <laughs> that would be on the fire. Mm, that would be really bad. Let's not even go there. Yeah. So we still have some good stuff coming up for you guys. Um, it is almost Mech Deck Day here in mm-hmm. the Charlotte area, and uh, we had a uh, we had someone reach out to us several months ago, and in, in uh, with an idea to do a Mech Deck special podcast, uh, and that his name is Jay Lance Groner. He is a founding member of Jack's Militia, uh, and I believe the first president of jack's militia yeah uh, jay joined us to discuss kind of some of the history around the city of charlotte and kind of what the soccer uh origin story is of jack's militia and of the charlotte independence and how that kind of all ties into the story of the uh mecklenburg declaration of independence and captain james jack and kind of all that stuff. So we had a good chat with him. I think it's about a half an hour, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I don't have the exact number in front of me right now. So this will be a little bit of a longer Talking Jacks extra, but that's okay. Uh, we had a good time recording it. I hope you guys will learn a thing or two about your Charlotte history. Uh, and I hope that you'll go celebrate Mech Deck Day on Sunday after we beat Toronto FC2. Yeah, Ben, do you have anything you'd like to add before we roll the interview and get out of here? Uh, no, that 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 sounds good to me. Uh, prepare your minds for a, a history lesson. That's right. So we're not gonna we're not gonna come back after the interview. We're just gonna sign off now. And uh, yep. once the interview ends, the outro music will play, and you guys will be on your way to watch the Jacks face off against. The baby reds, or whatever they're called. Yeah. So, come on, you jacks. Woo. And we're going to go to the interview with Jay. Well, folks, we are here with a special edition of Talking Jacks. We are joined today by Jay, Jay Lanskroner, a founding member of Jack's Militia. And he's here with Ben and I to talk about uh, just the origin of Jack's Militia, the first supporters group of the Charlotte Independence, and kind of the entire mech deck story as we approach uh may 20th also known as mech deck day so welcome to the show jay hey thanks for having me you know i've been i've been listening to you guys for for a little bit of time now it took me a minute to figure you guys were there i'm glad to see that there's an independent uh 
podcast. So, yeah, yeah, we kind of just jumped on the train last summer. We just wanted to do another do a podcast with only independents all the time. So, yeah. we kind of jumped into it. So, we're glad you reached out though, because uh, if there's one thing that Ben and I are lacking, it's kind of the historical knowledge of the of the club and how Jack's militia got started and all that. Because we both joined uh, joined the fan base after 2015 so kind of right. 2015 was is a, is a big unknown for us so we're, we're glad to have somebody on the show who knows the history yeah and certainly yeah you know I, I certainly take a lot of pride in the history of of all the things involved with the independence the the history of the name the history of the the supporter group and, and everything else involved so so where, where exactly do you want to start? Do you kind of want to go through the origin of the name or the supporters group? Or we're kind of going to let you lead this. Uh, you seem to have okay. a pretty good idea um, of what you wanted to share. Well, I think, I think you know, you touched on the, the Mech Deck Day. Um, I think that's a pretty important cog in the wheel of, of the Charlotte Independence. Um, so, you know, I think I'll start with a little bit of the history lesson of today. Um, you know, and... and it actually dates back pre-revolutionary war, um, you know, and this, you'll hear a lot of the names and you'll, you'll hear a lot of names. If you live in the Charlotte area, you probably recognize, um, but, and I'll try not to bore you guys too much with, with too much boring stuff. I'll tell some cool stories, but uh, it's really interesting to, to see the history of Charlotte. And, you know, I think just understanding um, all of that stuff and, and then playing it into the, the future of where we are now with the soccer club and everything else. Um, but basically early on in Charlotte's history, it was founded, um, as a German colony, uh, hence the name Mecklenburg County. Um, and it was named for Queen Charlotte, um, of Mecklenburg, I forget the other part. It was a hyphenated county in Germany. Um, so they named it thinking that because they named it after her wife, the, the wife of the King of England, that they wouldn't get taxed if the stamp act actually went through. Um, unfortunately, in 1960, what was that? 1960 or 1765? Sorry, man, I'm jumping way ahead. Uh, 1765, the Stamp Act went through, and you know most people know about the the history of what happened in Boston um, and Philadelphia during the the years leading up to the war, but not many people know outside of that stuff. And and you know, I've always I grew up in a historic revolutionary uh, town, like a town where a lot of buildings still exist from. 17 1800s so you know there's a lot of history from where i come from in maryland but i kind of went to understand why why um you know what what had independence in charlotte and why does north carolina have these two weird dates on the flag um you know and so i i went through kind of this book um i found a book at a at the park road shopping center called charlotte and the uh, american revolution um, and I kind of went through it, and it's an interesting read. You know, I'm not going to go over everything in there, but it starts off with this guy named uh, Craighead Alexander, or Alexander Craighead, excuse me. He was a Presbyterian minister who had moved down from Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia um, throughout his life trying to set up churches in these areas. But um, the Church of England was the Anglican Church, and so he was seen as this kind of rebellious figure everywhere he went and he was ousted everywhere he went. So he ended up discovering Charlotte um, because of uh, some of these Scotch-Irish families that were living here. And he um, established 
his church here and, and a good following for a little bit. And it wasn't much, just a few Scottish families, maybe a few hundred people coming to his sermons. Uh, Sugar Creek Presbyterian Church, which is over on Sugar Creek in uh, North Tryon, if you're driving around Charlotte. It's actually the original church in Charlotte um, of the Presbyterian Nation. Oh, wow. Nation. That's not far from where I grew up. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Sugar Creek and Sugar Creek and, you know, mm-hmm. you've all probably heard the name of that. And he established his church and um, he would start setting up churches throughout Mecklenburg County and what is now known as Cabarrus County, Union County, and a little bit of Iredell and uh, I think one church in what is now Gaston County. And he would give sermons two to three times a day at different churches. And so uh, he would travel. Just imagine traveling from Concord to Matthews in one day and then having to go up to Huntersville later in the afternoon by horse. And (laughs) this is what this guy was doing. And every sermon uh, throughout the 1960s, um, you know, the Stamp Act came into fruition and and governors that were loyal to the crown had to kind of tax the citizens of the, the new colonies. And Craighead Alexander kind of deferred in, in theology with that because um, not just for the taxes reason, but uh, it was it was a religious thing. It was there was this battle of of um, you know he didn't want to have to pay extra money to the Anglican Church because he didn't believe in the Anglican values. He believed in the Presbyterian values, so he um, set forth and kind of started preaching in his sermons about how the Presbyterians and the Scotch-Irish should go ahead and kind of not pay their taxes to the English. Um, You know, and ultimately getting to the few of the stories that I want to get to, um, his battle came head to head with uh, a guy named William Tryon, who was the governor of North Carolina. And um, William Tryon, he was a, he was a very loyal person to the crown. He tried everything he could and, taxed accordingly and built a really nice house. It's known as Tryon, uh, it's Tryon Manor, I believe is what it's called. Um, and when that was built, that was built in the late 1760s, early 1770s, uh, in 1770 in New Bern, North Carolina. Um, and when he did that, there was a group called the Regulators. Um, and there were the rebellious kind of militia out of Mecklenburg County. There's a lot of people that were unnamed because they didn't want to be directly associated with a rebellious thing just in case people start getting hung for treason. Um, but these, the regulators, uh, it was actually formed into an association in 1767. Uh, they had basically denounced any taxes that William Tryon was enforcing upon the people because sheriffs within North Carolina and within other states were enforcing extra taxes upon the taxes just to benefit themselves. So they saw greed and they just didn't like it. Um, and so from the church, these parishions, they were, um, they were forming groups and, and preaching and, and kind of rebelling against the crown behind closed doors. They were saying, hey, we don't, we don't believe in your taxation um, the Presbyterians didn't believe in the Anglican Church, and the fact that the king was forcing them to go to an Anglican Church to get married, and said that he would not, um, he would not agree or um, accept 
uh, Presbyterian marriage. And if anybody was married under the Presbyterian church, then their children should be considered bastards. And that was really, you know, kind of, I want my son to bear my last name, you know? And so these guys growing up in the back country of North Carolina and, and throughout the entire country, really, um, they were being forced into an Anglican religion, which is actually, if you think about it, why you have the freedom of religion in the United States. Um, mm. You know, and so North Carolina had this kind of all this infighting while everything's happening up in Philadelphia, Boston. You know, you've got the uh, the Township Acts, the Boston Massacre in 1770, um, the Boston Tea Party in 1773, and then the Continental Congress in 1774. All during this time in North Carolina, there's this basically this internal war between William Tryon and the, the um, regulators or the regulation between um, these militiamen in, in Mecklenburg County. Um, you know, and then in 1768, uh, a bunch of uh, other preachers, Presbyterian preachers kind of assigned their loyalty to William Tryon and said, hey, we don't want to be hung up with these guys. We don't want to be associated with them because, you know, we're loyal to the the king, basically, they were afraid that they were going to get murdered if, if they went against William Tryon and the king. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of fear mongering amongst the, those above the, um, the church level. Um, there's an interesting story about the sheriff who kept um, basically taxing people. This is kind of like a, a almost like a Robin Hood type story. Uh, the sheriff was taxing people in the in Hillsborough. Um, and then all these people, people came and basically rioted his courthouse and got him. And the funny story is that they, they, um, dragged his beaten body out of his house and ran him out of town. Before that, they had made him, um, ride on a horse backwards, which apparently was very degrading on a human being back in the day. Um, but upon kicking him out of his house, they... Uh, destroyed the furniture, drank all the alcohol, and tore the house down board by board, and marched it through the town and destroyed and destroyed a church that he had donated to the town's Anglican church. So basically, at this point, it was war. You know, they these guys were kind of pissed off at this sheriff and mad at Tryon for not doing anything about it. You know, they had been asking him to do things to help fix this corruption, and Tryon's like, "Yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it." Then he never did. Um, and then eventually Tryon started getting pissed off at the his rebellious few, um, and he organized a group, um, and he needed to move supplies into what is now Salisbury, um, and he had uh, gunpowder bullets and other military supplies in Charlotte, actually, and he was about to ship them out, and uh, when he... <laughs> He's, the townspeople, these guys, these five guys, um, had found out that this shipment was being made. And so what they did was they dressed up like Indians. They painted their faces black, snuck in after the uh, the crew that was shipping the shipment in. Um, they snuck it in and snuck in there and basically took all the gunpowder, put it in a pile, put a couple of the wagons near the pile, put all the ammunition in the pile and lit the gunpowder on fire and blew everything up. And it was this kind of interesting story because they called them the Charlotte Black Boys, and they were all known by that. And they, um, you know, William Tryon basically said anybody that, that associates with them will be 
will be um, convicted if they were caught. So, and amongst many other things, you know, the first battle of the revolution was in Alamance, North Carolina. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go out there, it's a pretty cool little memorial. Um, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of rebellious things happened in North Carolina during that time. You know, it was, it was all because of a very arrogant governor uh, and very stubborn backwoods people in Charlotte. And it's, you know, I'm not saying that we're backwards people now because we're certainly, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's a it's a very eclectic group that was in Charlotte now. But the it's interesting to see how, I guess Charlotte's always kind of deferred from the rest of the state, you know, and and yeah, you know, it's it's there was always this rebellious thing. You see, um, now if if you're involved in North Carolina um, at all, you know that there's a lot of votes that are coming out of Charlotte. To change the way we do things, and then the state level, they kind of regress some of that stuff. So, um, you know, the history behind it is really cool. Um, and then, of course, you get up to the to MacDeck Day um, during uh, April of 1775. The Charlotte congregation kind of had this thing called the Mecklenburg Resolves. They kind of wrote it out. Not kind of, they did. Um, and you know, President Thomas K. Polk. Um, I believe he was the president one, right? And then yes, the, his so. uncle, I think it's James Polk. And James Polk was one of the first people to sign the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. Um, and, you know, Thomas Polk grew up in what is now Pineville, North Carolina, um, just southwest of Charlotte, south, yeah, southwest of Charlotte. Um, you know, and so his house is still down there. And... Um, you know, they, they have all this stuff there for him, but his uncle was pretty instrumental in, in signing and getting the Mecklenburg Resolves there. Um, you know, there's some controversy with the Mecklenburg Resolves and the Declaration of Independence because, um, I should say the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, because at some point between it being written, uh, Captain James Jack delivering it to the Continental Congress and his return back, um, and the end of the Revolutionary War, the document ceased to exist. Uh, it, some say they think it burned in a house fire or a fire of a church or a courthouse. Um, but then these Mecklenburg resolves showed up in a newspaper about 50 years later. So, um, you know, it's it's a great story, I think, personally. And, and it's interesting to see, like, the history side of of where we've gone to and, and what we've done. So um, when, you know, and then now I'll get into the soccer side of the story. Um, you know, in 2010, the World Cup came around and in Charlotte, we finally had a, a soccer bar, a place called Hooligans, which I think all of us here know what Hooligans is, is like. And Yep, it's still alive and well. Yes, it still is. It's very well, actually. But, um, you know, we started going there for the World Cup and, I at at one point I didn't really know any soccer fans here, um, and then I discovered hooligans and I met basically every single one of them, and I became really good friends with a lot of them and we all wanted a team here in this city to support. You know we were all American Outlaws, um, if you know the U.S. Soccer Supporter Group. Um, eventually I would actually become the president of the Queen City Outlaws for a couple of years. Um, worked with Matt Garner, um, a few other people, Sean Richards, uh, and tried to grow the game here in the city. And after a while, we actually um, kind of put together a mission statement 
Um, we got together at some Mexican restaurant, which actually doesn't even exist anymore. It's on East Boulevard, uh, some taco place across from where uh, JJ's Red Hots is. I forget what it was called, but mm-hmm. we're sitting in the bar one night and we're with the idea of talking about how, what can we do to kind of do a uh, grassroots level organization of a soccer team in Charlotte. And so we sat down for probably five or six hours just talking and trying to figure out how to get teams here. Um, I've got bullet points upon bullet points, you know, and um, this is back when MLS only needed 40 million for a franchise fee. And yeah, you know, so this is, this was quite a bit of time ago. This is 2014. I sent the email to myself, um, you know, and, and we tried to get every aspect of fan culture to help raise awareness of a soccer team here. And we went to do like a green Bay Packers slash Barcelona style, you know, owned by the fans and, and run by a board type thing. And, we were realists also. We also realized that we wouldn't be able to do it without probably one person who put a, put forth a bunch of money. But we thought if, if we could mm-hmm. get 30,000 people to put in a couple hundred bucks, then you'd be good, right? You just you have your own team and, yeah. and you get a few, few million dollars. And, um, you know, the idea was it was pretty cool because we actually put together a plan to figure out how we could um, – you know, I, I should digress a little bit. We have the Eagles, the Charlotte Eagles were already here. Um, and we we had gone to a few of the games and being the passionate fans that we are, we would try and sing songs and people would come up to us and just be like, Hey, can you can you calm down? Like, we don't we don't want that here. And we we're like, This is soccer, like let's have some fun. Um, so we were like we wanted to figure out a way to make the soccer games more inclusive, you know, and, and more supporter friendly and or as Jim McPhillamy likes to put it a bunch of millennials right <laughs> um and so we were we were trying to figure out ways and, and I don't mean this in an aggressive or an uh, uh indifferent way but we're trying to figure out ways that we could usurp the eagles basically um mm-hmm. and we wanted to bring the team here we knew it would be difficult to bring an MLS team to a uh city that had a USL franchise because at that point it was unheard of. Um, there were no MLS two teams. It was just all USL pro, uh, NASL. And we put the idea that maybe, maybe we could do a, a NASL team, but then it was just like, you know what, go bigger, go home. Um, you know, and so we wanted to, to continue growing soccer in this city and, and really want to be able to give back to the city. We had, um, a lot of organizations that were willing to to help us. Uh, Hooligans was one of them, and, and um, some nonprofits. I don't know if you've heard of Shizaka Nine Four Five. We were we were directly involved with them, and you know it was it was interesting. But the thing we ended up calling it the Charlotte Independents with a T S at the end, not the E N C E. Um, we were the people of independence. Um, and I don't know. It, was, it sounded right at the time. That might have been the booze talking, but uh, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, let's just go with it, you know. And and so um, the kind of one of the bullet points says our organization is here to market and gain interest in the city of Charlotte in order to bring a professional soccer team here. We have marketing tools, physical marketing tools, 
um, attending games. We actually put out there attending games with Charlotte Independence gear and sing songs for the independence. And the teams on here are the Charlotte Eagles, the Carolina Railhawks, Charleston Battery, UNC Charlotte, Belmont Abbey, Queens University. Uh, and we wanted to attend other sporting events too, the Bobcats, the Knights, Hounds, Checkers. Um, so we were just, we were like, you know what, let's do this. Because I think, I think we had gone to a Checkers game and we started singing some songs about Charlotte and people were like, this is cool. You know, and we thought, we felt so <laughs> badass doing it. And it was just like, Again, the alcohol talking, but um, <laughs> it, it was it was a fun time, and then we just we put together all this stuff, and we even had a guerrilla guerrilla marketing tools plan, uh, putting stickers throughout the city. Um, we wanted to have videos and all this other stuff of us just putting things out there, and um, it was kind of our way of being this rebellious group that just wanted to watch a professional soccer team in Charlotte, um, and then. You know, after kind of losing interest from bigger players, people that had money and, and just not enough um, push on all of our parts, I think we all kind of hit a wall and socially we had to um, take a little bit of a break from all this stuff. And so it kind of took a back burner. My life actually ended up taking me to Charlotte at that point in time. Um, and or not Charlotte, to D.C., with work and so at that point I got more involved with DC United um, I grew up as a supporter of them as a kid and um, I became on the field team for them and one day out of the blue my buddy Sean Richards calls me and says hey uh, remember all that those documents we had from that meeting that day and I said yeah I still have it here on my desktop right now I was, I was looking at it the other day he goes can you email those to me I was like, okay he said don't say anything but I think somebody might be one to start a soccer team in Charlotte. And I was like, ah, hey, sure. I mean, we tried that before. It didn't really work out. So, you know, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um, and then about a month later, he calls me back. He's like, hey, guess what? I was like, what? He's like, remember those documents? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you have any more? I was like, yeah, I got all the financial <laughs> stuff that we figured out. We broke it down, like how much money we would need um board stuff like we had already established ourselves as as an organization like we wanted to do it and i was the i was supposed to be the acting president at that point and you know we just i was sent him all these documents and he he called me back and he's like hey so there's this guy he, he uh he owns the hounds don't say anything to anybody you can't tell anybody about this but i think he's going to buy the eagles i said okay i, I believe you um, I didn't believe him. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> I was like, whatever, man. I'm like, that's cool, but I thought that's going to happen. And, but he was actually one of the people that we had talked to, or not talked to, but talked, like, hey, it'd be cool if they bought it because that's kind of two niche groups that would be, I think, greatly influence each other um, in the long run. And um, so long story short, independence we're like, hey, we're Charlotte FC or whatever, Queen City FC. We're going to yeah. have a name-picking contest. Um, and then my buddy uh, Christian, you guys know him. He owns Hooligans. He calls me, and he's like, hey, uh, you know that name Independence? He's like, yeah. And I told him, yeah, and he's like, I think that's going to be the name of the team. I said, with the TS. It's got to be with the TS, man. It's got to have the TS. <laughs> And he's like, no, that's, that's kind of stupid. So uh, we're just going to go with Independence. I was like, but that's a street name. And so a few weeks later, they had the announcement, and that's what it was. It was a Charlotte Independence. And, and so we were 
me, Sean, Matt Garner, kind of on the phone leading up to that announcement, sitting there thinking to ourselves, because I remember that time, it was kind of crazy for in, for soccer fans in Charlotte, because we were like, there's this team, what are they going to be called? Oh, that's their name? Cool. And then they had to design our um, design our crest thing. Um, and that was really kind of a long, drawn-out process. And during all of that, it kind of build, gave us a chance to organize a little bit better, um, basically take all of our field notes that we had from before and, and organize a supporter group for this team and basically rewrite it so that instead of uh, bringing in a major league soccer team here to support the Charlotte independence. And we kind of, we were sitting there like, okay, they're the independents. What are we now? Cause we were the Charlotte independence before. And um, <laughs> right. They kind of took your name. <laughs> they kind of did those jerks, but you know, I, I can't complain too much about it. Cause you know, I'm, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that outright we were the determining factor behind that, but I think it's certainly a, an interesting side of the story. Um, but so we're sitting there and it's like, well, what about James Jack? And, you know, to go back to the history lesson, uh, Captain James Jack is the guy that took the Mecklenburg resolves and carried them or the declaration of independence um, and took it from Charlotte to Philadelphia to drop him off to the North Carolina representatives at the Continental Congress, um, at which time, you know, during which time on the journey, he actually got stopped in Kannapolis, which if you know anything about that journey, that's pretty early on in the trip. Um, yeah. And they were actually planning on hanging him for treason. Um, but he ended up escaping at night and getting the document and taking it up there. And the representatives in the Continental Congress were like, eh, we think it's a little premature. We think we're going to work something out with the, with the crown. So... I don't think we have to declare independence. So um, he they sent him packing, sent him back to North Carolina, and he came back, and everybody's like, well, screw that, man. And then eventually that's when the um, the Battle of Alamance happened. And he actually fought in the Revolutionary War. Um, he was a, a captain of, of a group of insurgents, and the people that fought at Kings Mountain, which was, uh, mm-hmm. some people say, the turning point of the war, specifically in the South, um, you guys probably all know General Cornwallis um, was fighting a battle on two fronts. He was fighting at Kings Mountain, and he was fighting in um, in Kannapolis, or what Charlotte is now, fighting towards Concord. And uh, he had basically won the Concord fight, and then a bunch of militiamen came out of the woodworks in Kings Mountain, basically surrounded his troops. He got up on top of the mountain like an idiot, and... Uh, they surrounded him and ended up taking him and beating him there. And so he retreated into the woods in South Carolina and wasn't found for a long time. And um, troops were able to kind of regather themselves in the South and, and ended up kind of winning battles left and right. And then, you know, Washington kind of did the rest from there. And, you know, here we are today, free as free shit, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, Captain James Jack, he, he had a – his dad actually had a bar at the intersection of what is now uh, Church Street and Trade Street in Uptown Charlotte. Um, but it's it's no longer there, obviously, but it'd be awesome if it was there. But uh, I desperately want someone to open a MechDeck-themed bar and call it Jack's Tavern. <laughs> Wait, did, isn't, didn't that just open up, I think? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that was that was the cool thing about, about that story. And, and so we know about him and... and it's not that he specifically had a militia itself. Um, it's that he was part of the Charlotte militia, which is a greater group of, of 
well over 100, 200, 300 men and women that fought for their beliefs in the Charlotte area. So, and since he was a, a great representative of, of that independence, um, we adopted his name as Jack. And, um, you know, the militia was us as the group that followed him. And, you know, in our mind, Jack was the independence, the team itself. So, mm. yeah, that's pretty much the story, the historical side of the story. And, uh, you know, here we are today, still supporting him, not in the playoff spot. You know, we were doing so well early on, and then there's, there's what, four games, five games, and we just weren't playing at our best. And It's, it's still early. Yeah. I think but, we'll be all and, right. You know, last year we really turned it on in July, so – um, yep. You know, and we ended up. What did we finish last year? Second in the conference, um, going into the playoffs. Um, no, we dropped. We were. Fifth. We dropped to fifth. Yeah. We were close. We we you know if we have, we fell off at the very end, but we were really close. Oh, we, to being I remember. Here's what happens, and it happens four. every year, right? We have. Um, right. We go into the last week. If we win, we're in like first place in the East. If we lose, we're dropped down to sixth. And of course, we're playing Charleston <laughs> away, and we can yep. never beat them away. So. <laughs> nope. Yep, that's exactly what it was. Um, man, Charleston's looking good right now, though. I hate to say it. They are, but um, they are looking good. But you know, but hey, we beat you know we put a whooping on Cincinnati, and they were looking good too. So it, it it's yeah, it's just one of those seasons. I think every team in the East is can beat every other team in the East on any given day. There's a lot. I mean, the Eastern Conference is so much stronger than the Western Conference. The Western Conference, we we joke. But I mean, they might as outside of like the top four teams, the rest of the conference might as well not exist. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly right. But yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting though because I this is my favorite time of year when it comes to American soccer. Um, you know, the Open Cup is has kicked off, and and it's kind of tough for struggling teams in the league. You know, when you got the independent into a trying and who knows it could spark us to do what we did in our inaugural season you know we came came into the open cup beat a couple teams you know at, at 50 different stadiums that we were playing at and um <laughs> and then what we made a name for ourselves man we beat we beat carolina we beat um was it chicago the revolution. And then we went, the revolution yeah and um you know that game man what an epic game that was. Um, you know, I remember being at the bar in Charlotte watching us win an Open Cup game against the NOS team, and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe we just did that. But then we couldn't do it again. So, um, But, no, nah, man, and, you know, speaking of history, you know, the Open Cup is – I was telling you earlier, it's arguably my favorite – my favorite tournament, you know, in in any sort of soccer, and it's – it helps that it is the uh, the oldest tournament in the United States of any tournament, and it gets stronger and stronger every year. Um, you know, we were talking about the team that Independents are playing this week is um, who is it? Nor'easters, Ocean City. It's the Nor'easters, mm-hmm. yeah. And Ocean City is always. I feel like I feel like usually Richmond plays them. Um, I don't know how they ended up getting. Yeah, the uh, the. What do they call them? The bracket uh, regions are a little different this year. We're playing. I think we're in the northeast region this year instead of the south or southeast. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's all a little bit wacky. Yeah, because what was it a couple of years we played uh, the north, the bright stars or something like that, um, and then 
last couple of years we played the Eagles. And I was kind of hoping to play them again, to be honest, but uh, they ended up getting trounced six to one. Yep. Mm-hmm. That would have been, you know, considering. And the thing that blows me away is you look at the Eagles, man. They won the PDL last year. Um, you know, and then they go up against the NPSL team. And I don't know, maybe the NPSL is more more difficult than the um than the PDL, the USL PDL. I don't know, but man, six to one, that's pretty uh not so promising for them, huh? Yeah. I'm actually looking at the scores and it looks like most of the NPSL teams won against PDL and um and uh, the USASA. It's interesting, man, but I, I love it because you get these amateur teams. You remember a few years ago, uh, Eric Ronaldo was coaching Cal FC, and um, he took them all the way to, what, the quarterfinals, I think? Mm. Um, and that was, man, just watching this team of – they're amateur players, man. They're making they're, – they're working nine to fives, and they have to take time off of work just to go play in these, these Open Cup games, you know? Yeah. They're playing against – yeah, I think those guys played against uh, San Jose and Portland or something of that standard. But, um, you know, it's cool, man. You get to see teams that, that wouldn't normally do it. And, and I know every other league in the world has their – or every country has their form of this tournament, and it's it's always fun to watch. And it's just an exciting thing just because it's, it's not just the league, right? And it brings a different element. Um I'm sorry if you guys can hear my son yelling in the background. He might be. That's okay. He's, he's a, just excited about the open yeah, cuts, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's yelling at my mother-in-law, I think. But uh, <laughs> he's he's. Uh, I'm can't wait to get a soccer ball at his feet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. You guys got any questions for me? I guess. I just keep not really. I think we, we had some questions, but you pretty much answered every single one of them. So okay, well, uh, we really appreciate you joining us. <laughs> nice. Oh no, yeah, no man, we're listen, good. dude, I, yeah. I I really appreciate you coming on, and and yeah. you know, like I said, one of my passions is is the independence. Even though I don't get out to as many games as I like to, I'm always always watching every single game, and um, you know, I, I do I do wish that uh, we had better commentators. Uh, or a radio, or a radio show. Yeah. Um, I'm kind. Of, I'll be honest, man. I'm kind of pissed that uh, ESPN is now the only way to watch the um, the USL games. Um, yeah, it, I've noticed that it seems like the MLS fans are all happy because it's cheaper than MLS Live, but all the USL fans are upset because USL is free. Yeah, we watch it on YouTube, ago, man. What so. happened to that? Can we yeah. get a deal from YouTube or some crap? Come on, dude. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, no. Thank you guys for coming out for having me on here. And you know, um, if you're in the Charlotte area, go go to Uptown on May twentieth. Um, it's the I don't have a calculator with me. I think it's the hundred and something anniversary of of Mech Deck Day. Um, it's like hundred and seventy three or something. I don't know. But <laughs> you know, it's it's a cool celebration. Every region kind of has their own celebrations and and. Mech Deck Day is it's one that is rarely talked about but always represented in North Carolina because like I said earlier it's on the flag and most right. people don't even know why it's on the flag or what that date stands for and you know I love that story I love the whole idea that that you know American history is so deep you know there's there's so many battles on so many different fronts because it's such a grand landscape um, and you know it's it's a lot of there's a lot of stories to be told. This is one of my favorites because I live here. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and you tell it well. So, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners may not know the history, and uh, even some of that was a, a refresher for us and new new stuff. So, thank thank you so much again. And uh, if we ever have another history segment, we'll definitely call you. Awesome. Thank you very much, and and you know, I look forward to all the podcasts you guys have coming out, especially with the review of the Open Cup, and see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get that and whatever happens in Toronto taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe the Toronto in Matthews. That that kind of floating around today this, as we're recording this. So yeah. maybe there's a home game on Saturday after all. Awesome. Maybe. <laughs> righty, Jay. Well, I hope you take care and uh, hope your son feels better or maybe he's just really <laughs> oh, excited. He's, I don't know. he's having a grand old time, man. That's his happy yell. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. That's good. Good to hear. <laughs> well, have a good evening, man. Thank you. See ya.